Jesus says in John, he says, if you um, abide in my word and you abide in me, he says, that, that then you are my disciples indeed. And uh, so it, it's a, we have to continue to abide in Christ and his word has to continue to abide in us. And Amen. we live in a day and age where uh, it is much easier to forsake what Christ has actually taught. And the reason why it's easier to forsake what Christ has taught isn't even necessarily because the unwillingness of an individual to follow through with the teachings of the Lord. But rather, it's an ignorance issue. They just don't know. And um, and they don't know for many reasons. Um, it might be because of what they have been taught. It might be because of the traditions of men. Um, it might be because of the doctrines of demons. Right? And Jesus said... Um, that it's the traditions of men that uh, made the word of God uh, to no effect. Remember, he said that to the Pharisees. He says that in John. He says, you, you know, your traditions have made the word of God to no effect. And, um, you know, in fact, let, let us really quickly turn to First Timothy chapter um, <clears throat> 4. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. And uh, this this is Paul um, writing to Timothy, and uh, it should be self-explanatory because that's the title of the actual book. But the reason why that's important to note is because Timothy is a is a um, is a pastor, and he's doing pastoral work, and, and to some extent he's doing evangelistic work because Paul writes to him and says, "Do the work of an evangelist." And so uh, Timothy. That's important to note because whenever we're reading the scriptures, we always want to ask the question, what was the audience? And what about, what what is important? Uh, what is so important about who they're speaking to? And who is speaking? And who is writing? <clears throat> and um, the reason why is that that's important for Timothy specifically is because Paul is giving him pastoral instructions. So this isn't just you know um, you know a friend a, a, a friendly letter or uh, or anything like that. So it says the spirit clearly says in the latter times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars, whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God in prayer. Now I'm going to be you know, a, a bit personal here and say we've, we've dealt with people, unfortunately, in the group before who have taught that you have to abstain from certain foods. They would say pork is, you know, sinful. Uh, they would say, you know, certain meats uh, are should be abstained from. Um, but Paul here is saying that um, this isn't actually a godly teaching. God has nothing to do with it because everything created by God is good. 
and Amen. should and should be received with uh, it's consecrated by the word of God and prayer. And so it's so easy, you know, for, you know, a lot. Uh, it's so easy to, and they'll have their reasons why they think that's true. They'll say, well, you know, Jesus did it. Jesus, you know, didn't eat pork, and so we shouldn't, and stuff like that. But see, this is where um, <clears throat> unqualified, and and you know, I'm saying this not in the derogatory, demeaning way, but in the most truest sense, ignorant people are trying to explain the scriptures and they're not accounting for the fact that Jesus was born under the law. Okay? Yes. We aren't born under the law. You know, I I I I messaged us on someone's story who was posting, you know, how, you know, oh about the the feasts and we got to obey the feast and stuff like that. And I and I was like She's all, uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus did it. I'm like, Jesus also didn't marry, so stay single the rest of your life. <laughs> right. I, I, I said, Jesus wore sandals, uh, you know, traveled on donkey. Throw, I said, oh, and he wore garments. So throw away your Jordans, throw away your vans, throw away every, yeah. throw your, start. Jesus did it. So because mm-hmm. we have to understand that, you know, Jesus was under the law. And he was in a different culture, so um, you have to account for those facts. You have to account for those reasons. Otherwise, you're going to start putting stipulations on people and say you're sinful, sister. You're sinful, brother, because you eat this, or you know how you know some uh, Catholics teach that you know priests can't marry. God didn't inspire that teaching. <clears throat> Yeah, the, I guess the qualifications for pri- their their priests is that they can't marry. <clears throat> but it says, mm-hmm. um, but in fact, Paul the Apostle says, do we not have the right as the other apostles to take with us a believing wife? So, exactly. you know, Paul, Paul wasn't uh, married. Um, but yet, mm-hmm. you know, and so, um, but he says, don't we have the right to do this? And so, the the point of me bringing this up is to say that there are teachings today that look good, they sound good, but they aren't good. Because mm-hmm. you know, and that that may seem pretty harmless. Someone says, you know, I believe that I can't eat pork. Okay, that sounds like it's it's there's no problem with that, but there becomes a problem because the Bible doesn't teach it. You know, the Bible exactly. says we can't we can't eat this. You know, um, you know, and so don't start demonizing people because you don't like eating bacon. (laughs) Exactly. Leave us alone and learn the Bible, right? Right. (laughs) So, um, and the reason why I'm making an issue of it is because Paul made an issue of it. Um, And I'm not trying to be obnoxious or anything like that, but, um, and and you'll see real quickly how you know people they build up a rationale for this stuff and um but look at what it says in in verse um uh verse 6 it says if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed so some people you know here's the thing some people may not enjoy these teachings 
Um, you know, I, I want to hear about this topic. I want to hear about this topic. I want to hear about that topic. And I understand we have a selection of why we want to hear what we want to hear. But Paul is saying to Timothy, if you point these things out, what things? The things I just read about doctrines of demons, abstaining from certain foods, like that seems highly, you know, unappealing to certain audiences. But Paul is saying, look, Timothy, you, you are pastoring this church. You need to point these specific issues out. Right, and if right. you if you are pointing these things out, then you will be a good minister because you can be a bad minister, you can be right, um, right. you know disqualified. And he says if you do this, if you point these things out, and he, it, it's like pointing out a pink elephant in the room. You know, have you guys ever heard that term? Uh, po- you know, I'm pointing out the pink elephant in the room. It, it's kind of like have you ever been in a group where everybody knows. Uh, there's this uncomfortable truth that they're all aware of and they know that everybody knows it but no one has the courage to point it out and everyone feels uncomfortable and we just want to pretend like we don't know what's going on but that's how uncomfortable some of these things can be on certain topics and for us this may not be uncomfortable because we all like you know uh, our meat or we like you know we like certain foods it may not be uncomfortable to us but for another audience, it, <laughs> for another audience, it might be very uncomfortable. But it doesn't take away from the fact that Paul is still saying, "Look, you you got to do this. You got to point these things out. Doesn't matter if people like it. You know, don't be obnoxious. Don't be ugly with it. But you have to point it out nonetheless." He says, "If you do this, you'll be a good minister, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed." <coughs> So Timothy is following the good teaching that has been taught him, and and he is he's faithfully proclaiming the word of God. Verse seven says, "Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales; rather, train yourself to be godly." This is what we read uh, last time. Something similar to that in the first letter, uh, the first chapter in the book of Timothy, where Paul was talking about how you shouldn't give yourself to endless genealogies and old wives' tales and stuff like this for such mm-hmm. teachings speculate, uh, 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 promote speculations rather than uh, mm-hmm. godly edification. And, and, right. and so that will be a temptation for certain persons in the body of Christ to give themselves to endless genealogies, speculations, conspiracy theories. And as I've said last time, it doesn't even mean that those conspiracy theories aren't true or those uh, genealogies aren't true. They may very well be true, but Paul's concern isn't just truth. Uh, his concern is God's truth primarily, because there's many truths in the world that isn't necessarily biblical truth and, and isn't helping right. to promote the advancement of biblical truth. And, and we can get focused on uh, truth with the lowercase t, you know, maybe mm-hmm. truth in psychology, truth in history, truth in philosophy, truth in politics, truth in all these things, and then it, and and we feel justified because we're saying, "Hey, I'm a truth lover. I'm a truth teller. Right. I'm standing on the truth." But it's not promoting or advancing capital T truth, and mm-hmm. and so it's not that those things are bad, but don't devote 
your whole energy to those things such that it takes away from you know the the capital t truth which is the biblical teaching that's that's our main goal that's what our lives are rooted on jesus says i will i will liken this man who's built his house on my teachings as a wise man for when the storms come and rock against the house it won't fall but if you build it on something else you're building on the sand well the only thing that satisfies for that rock are the teachings of christ and, and and not my truth in mathematics, as as valid as that stuff is, as my truth in psychology, as as valuable as that, all that stuff is, our lives, our house must be built upon the rock, and that's Christ, the solid foundation, and His teachings. And He says, again, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wife tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. So th there's there's some training that we have to do. It's not. Um, you know this passive thing it's not going to fall into our laps um right. you know this is why um i constantly urge us to pray and to you know to give ourselves to you know adequate time in prayer um because it's training um it's training ourselves and um you know just recently um i you know that that ex uh you know a gang member that gave his life to the Lord um, before we baptized him I, I had an hour and a half talk with him on on the phone <clears throat> and um, I had him renounce certain things of his old lifestyle and I prayed for him prayed for yokes to be broken and and uh, you know the Lord gave me a prophetic word for him and um, that was on point that really ministered to him and he, he was just well receptive i bring that up because if i'm not attending to my spiritual walk in prayer i can't help to lead others i can't i will if i can barely stand on myself then i can't help to stand for another Amen. and i get it sometimes you know we go through those dark seasons sometimes it is difficult to push through and we will need to rely on our brother and our sister to help pray for us in that in that season in that day you know, because we're we're having to do, we have to fulfill Paul's instructions in Ephesians six, where he says, "After you've done all to stand, stand therefore in the evil day." So every day isn't an evil day, but those evil days will come, and it's in those times where we don't even have the strength to move forward. All we can do is stand. Mm -hmm. And and unfortunately, um, some even fall. But thanks uh, be to God that there's grace if we do. And we can get back up, and, and that's why we need our our brothers and sisters to help uh, uh, aid us. And we should not be bickering, backbiting, fighting, um, and doing all this nonsense, you know, and defeat ourselves. <coughs> um, but he says for uh, he says for physical training is of some value. Now I want to say this real quickly. Because there's also other extremist camps that so discount the physical. And and they say, you know, going to the gym is worthless. And they'll say all this stuff, but it's just ignorance. Because even Paul here is recognizing for physical training is of some value. Mm -hmm. He didn't say it's, it's valueless. He didn't say it's profitless. He says it's of some value. He says, but godliness has value for all things. So there's a hierarchy. He's saying godliness, this is the most valuable. Physical training is of some value. 
Godliness is of all value in all things. You know, so we don't want to just dis neglect the physical, ignore it, say that don't matter, who cares? You know, we're all we're all going to die one day. <laughs> you know, we're all going to be with Jesus one day. This body don't matter, you know that stuff. And and it's just yeah. um it sounds good. It sounds real religious. It sounds real spiritual, but it's it's uh spiritually ignorant. Because a true spiritual man or woman isn't going to neglect the body. And and this is actually this is actually a very common thing even in the early church. There was sex within the, not S E X but S E C T S sects were certain groups of, of Gnostics that taught basically the value was uh, the, the body was virtually valueless. And uh, you know, it, it um, no matter what you did in this physical body because it's contaminated and inherently evil, that therefore everything you did, even if it was moral, was considered evil. And um <clears throat> And I think sometimes Christians are Gnostics. They think that the body is so evil, so valueless, that um, you know it doesn't really matter what you do. And um, uh, it, it, in the as far as the physical is concerned, because it's just, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, <coughs> but we have to have a well balanced view. Uh, we have to have a well balanced view when it comes to these things. Um, you know. You know, as they've said, some are so heavily minded they're no earthly good, and and some some are so earthly minded they're no heavenly good. But there are some that are so heavily minded they're no earthly good. You know, uh, they think a demon's behind every bush. They think because they asked a sister to date them, they said no, it was a demon, right? They, they'll start. I, some people like to blame everything on the devil. And I, I remember one time my uncle told me, he said, uh, he said, uh, you know, he, he was giving an example of how one time the devil was outside, you know, crying in a rainy day, looking inside the church. And someone came outside the church and said, devil, what's wrong? He says, he says, I'm listening to these preachings and everyone's blaming everything on me. <laughs> <laughs> These preachers are blaming everything on me. What did I do? <laughs> now, 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 obviously, I'm not, you know, saying that the devil's off the hook because, you know, obviously, it counts for a lot of evil. But right. it, it's a, it's a, it's an analogy to to make this point to say that the devil mm -hmm. isn't to blame for everything. And right, um, right. <clears throat> and so he says. Um, it has value for things holding promise for both the present life and, and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying and deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. Mm -hmm. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech in conduct, in love, and faith, and in purity. So verse 11 says, command and teach these things. You know, um, the Word of God isn't a, a, a suggestive book. It's not a recommendation. It's not, you know, Dr. Phil's bestseller. Even though Dr. Right. Phil has, you know, more courage than a lot of preachers today, I, I think. Um, you know, but it, it's not, you know, Oprah Winfrey. It's not... Uh, 
it's 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 um it's not it's not these sort of books it's it's not a recommendation it's not a, a suggestion it's these are commands Amen. and um you you want to see how spiritual someone is 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 watch them be commanded to do something from the scriptures and if they react they're not spiritual if they respond they are <laughs> There's a big difference between reaction and response. Um, right. And I get it. The flesh doesn't want to be told things. I understand exactly. that. But this is the whole reason why we're born again. Exactly. To, to have a spiritual nature. and and Because the Holy Ghost, if we're walking in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will hear his own commands and love yeah. those commands. And... Uh, but he says, uh, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. You know, one of the things that unfortunately I experienced in uh, my my early years uh, as a Christian, not so much when I was a, as a teenager, you know, 17, 18, 19, but when I started hitting 20, 21, uh, 22, because I started gaining more of a voice and kind of started figuring this book out more. And started being exposed to certain topics and 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 learning things. Um, those who were older uh, looked down, and and it was it wasn't because they even had any reason to look down. It, mm-hmm. A lot of it had to do with um, <clears throat> wanting to feel secure because they were insecure, and um, I I think that this really needs to be avoided. It's a sad thing. That uh, they would look down rather than lift up. Um, you know, the people who are older aren't necessarily wiser. Um, but it should be the case that those who are older are wiser. And if it turns out to be the case that they are, there should be no looking down. But around, and, and if it turns out to be the case that someone is that's, that's younger is down, down in their level of knowledge, what you do isn't to talk down, but to pull up. You know, because right. if someone is advanced, like, for example, you know, it, like with Brother Kezron, like, I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm I'm ahead of you when it comes to some of these physical things that you've studied and you've learned, you know. And, you know, as far as maybe, you know, uh, you know, physical exercise is concerned or, you know, athletics, NBA, you know, I would be ignorant. I'd be foolish. Who am I fooling to say, hey, bro, you know, you're supposed to dribble like this. <laughs> well, yeah. why, why am I going to front for, you know, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> it behooves him if if I want to learn like, hey, bro. You know, not criticize me on not dribbling good enough. Hey, I don't, I'm not a basketball player. You know, with right. love and patience, say, hey, bro, this is what I've learned. This is how you actually do it. And if you want to become better, here are some training principles so you can become better at basketball. And it's that encouraging approach to help lift people up, not tear down. Um, Amen. Now, I get that we have to ter- tear down belief systems that are false, but mm-hmm. it should always be coupled with the heart that says, I want to I be able to lift you up. I don't want to tear you down. I, I want to build up. Um, <clears throat> and so th- this, is, um, this is something we need to avoid. Don't look down on people because they are young. But this is what he tells Timothy. Set an example. 
okay and i think this is especially true if we're if we're young if um set an example you know um if there are going to be people who are going to say what they're going to say unfortunately um may our example prove them wrong and that's that's Amen. that's the fortunate thing that i was able to always refer to when i was younger because i was living a pure life and no one could argue Amen. against my character no one could argue against my morality and um you know they, they you know my wife can tell you man many times on my facebook people would comment try to pin me trying to you know attack my character when it involved just a discuss a theological discussion and they would try to pinpoint weaknesses and stuff like that but they could never find them and um and so that's how i've unfortunately become you know be hated in my own community by a lot of churches and i'm not exaggerating in any way when i mention that and um it's very sad um but it says set an example for believers in speech so we have to be careful in the words that we speak we have to be careful on what we teach we have to be careful in what we say right unfortunately as as a young believer there were things that i taught that i years later had gone back to correct and say i don't believe that anymore so my my speech wasn't perfect and I may not have cussed and, and you know, and said de uh, degrading things to people, but my speech, right. as far as my teaching was concerned, was not accurate. And then it says in conduct, so the way that you conduct yourself, behavior, actions, all of these things, we have to set that example. In love, you know, we, conduct, we can conduct ourselves in great character, but lack love for the body. We, we can, we can you know, even do righteous things, maybe because we're afraid of being punished by God. And so we have conduct yep. good, but we're lacking in, in love for our brother, love for our sister. And it says in faith mm -hmm. and in purity. And so we know that faith comes by hearing the word of God, and we build up that faith by the word of his grace, and we build it up by prayer. Um, <clears throat> and then um, lastly is purity. And what's impure is a mixture something that's pure you know I, i've used this example last time and it's not probably the best example but if cocaine is pure there's no mixture and you get the most potent substance it's potent when it's pure so in other words we are not to have any mixture you know, we can't mix bell worship with uh you know christianity you know this is why you know it's sad man there's even you know christians so-called christians that have tried to mix tarot card readings with christianity or they've oh, yeah, yeah. you know they've mixed uh, try to mix homosexuality with christianity they try to mix these things and it's impurity it's it's law of attraction yeah law of attraction and things like that it's it's uh it's uh impurity and um, then he says right here, verse 13, Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. So, so it has to be public. And so what does that assume? That there's a public gathering. So there's a group involved. And, and Paul is commanding Timothy, give attention to this. Publicly preach. Uh, teach. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because people will be confronted with the truth, not in a 
you know, ugly confrontational way, but their right, conscience right. is now informed on the truth of God, and 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 mm-hmm. it's it's one of the primary ways that God speaks to His people through that, uh, through that vehicle, and um, and this is why it's important not to neglect the assembling of this ourselves together. Um, verse fourteen says, "Do not neglect your gift." which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Now, here's one of the things that I want to say, and we're coming to a close, is um, um, we should not neglect our gifts. And um, Paul also writes to Timothy uh, elsewhere. He says, he, says the, he says, stir up the gift that was given you through the laying on of my hands. So if you piece this together, there were elders and there was mm-hmm. Paul, and Paul laid his hands on Timothy to receive a gift. Now, I think it's a mystery, um, but it, it is something that is nonetheless, it is biblical. Uh, there's some form of transference that can occur when hands are laid. This is why even in the dark realm, you know, oh, go ahead, brother. Yeah, I just wanted to say um, that video... Times where, you know, uh, hands are laid, it's it's impartation. Exactly. And um, and uh, you know that's why. Um, uh, yeah, even in the dark realm, you know, people that are involved in Kundalini yoga and stuff like that, they do impartations, and yeah. and they receive demons. Um, you know, and that's why. <clears throat> this is where. Um, this is where, okay, th- this is what I want to bring up to, I think this is an important, um, place to, to sit a bit to, to teach on. Um, Paul says in Ephesians, he says that there was a grace given to him for the sake of the body. Now, grace, people think that grace is this thing that they can just get from God. Okay. It's like every Christian has equal access to grace and it's not true um see grace is grace is a thing that the are locked up behind ministers um uh, apostles prophets pastors evangelists teachers that's why in timothy could not have received that unless hands were laid on him okay so it comes from god but it comes through men um, <clears throat> so, um, this is why, for example, if someone has a demon, it doesn't matter if they pray to God, how much they pray to God, that mm-hmm. demon won't come out until hands are laid on them and that demon is rebuked. Um, right, that's right. why there are some people that have asked God numerous times for healing and mm-hmm. healing does not come until a man of God prays for them. Because they they can't access this grace, <clears throat> right. they they can't yeah. access this grace from God directly. Mm-hmm. They have to go to someone who has that grace on their life, so that that mm-hmm. grace can be appropriated for their benefit. And so, right. <clears throat> and and um, I know that this is this isn't uh, this isn't taught, unfortunately, but. And I think there's many reasons for why it's not taught. 
um, I think number one through ignorance, and number two, people don't want don't don't want this to be true because it it, it forces them to acknowledge that they have to that they can't just go to God. Um, exactly. They they have to uh, access certain aspects of God's grace through an individual. Um, mm-hmm. And now now maybe let, let's let's go let's uh, actually go to First uh, Corinthians. Chapter twelve. <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter twelve. <clears throat> Verse twenty seven. Alright. It says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now now let me ask you this question: Is a part, like, is is a part of the laptop the laptop? No, it's not. If if I said this is a part of the water bottle, mm-hmm. this cap, is it the water bottle? No, no, it's not. So if I said you're the part of the body, let me ask you this question: Or if you're part of the temple, are you the temple? No, because when people say, we are the church, I am the temple. No, you're not the temple. No, you're not the church. Here's the reason why. When when Paul says that, he says that in third person plural, not singular. Mm-hmm. So that means when he says, you are the body, he's not speaking to one single individual. He says to all, you collectively are the body. Mm-hmm. He says, he says, but you are stones. Peter says that in 1 Peter. You are living stones. So you're a stone, but that stone needs to be compacted with another stone, and that stone needs to be compacted with another stone for a temple to be built. Amen. Do you see? And so this is why the I am the church mentality is a false. It's a, it's a lie. You're not the church. You're a part of it. Paul just said right here, now you are the body of Christ and eat. Now, when he says you are the body of Christ, he says that in third person plural. You can't distinguish that in English because when he's you in third person can mean plural or singular. If I say you over there, mm-hmm. right? Or if I'm writing to a whole audience and I say you, that's what mm-hmm. Paul's doing. Is he singling out one individual? No, we know that he's talking to the collective whole. So he says, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Mm-hmm. So now he goes from the collective whole. Then he goes down to singling out individuals and says, okay, you're each a part. Right? You right. collectively are the body. Each one of you are a part. Verse 28. And God has placed in the church. So there's delineation. He says, you are the church. And God has placed in that church. Mm-hmm. Apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing? So we see clearly, because what we're learning from guys like Isaiah Saldivar, Alexander Pignini, uh, Mike Signot, all these, uh, what they call themselves demon slayers, Daniel Adams, all these guys, um, 
they're saying that you can go out and you can heal the sick. That's not what Paul is saying. Right, right. He say you can go and cast out demons. No, you can't. He says you can work miracles. And I'm saying, no, you can't. Because Paul is making it very clear here. He's asking a rhetorical question. And it's more clear in, in the, um, in the uh, Greek. It's me pontus apostoloi. Me is a, is, a, is a Greek word that means it asks um, a question demanding a negative response in return. That's how the construction of that Greek language works. So it asks a question necessitating a negative response. So um, inside the very word is a, is a no lodged in there. So it, it's, it's, it, it's giving you a no to the question. And so when he asks the question, do all work miracles? Do all can, you know, um, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? And the, the answer is no. And, and because certainly not all are apostles, not all are prophets. Why would we say, now, Paul's asking the question, are all apostles? And we would say, no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all have gifts of healing? Yes. Why? Daniel Adams told me. Alexander Pignini told me. Uh, Isaiah Saldivar. I learned on one of the Instagram reels that, hey, you can go cast out demons. You can go... And it's that's not what Paul's teaching, because and here's the reason why, is because you all are each a part, and we have the uh, specific functions, so that as Paul says in First yeah. Corinthians twelve, um, if you look right there, First Corinthians twelve verse fifteen, <coughs> he says, "Now if the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body." And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? And so Paul's making the case, If all let, now let's just carry this analogy. If all worked healing, where would the teachers be? Right, right. You, you get what I'm saying? If, if all... Um, and so the, the fact of the matter is, is that not all can do this. Right. And the reason why God has facilitated this is so that there would be interdependence. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and here, here's a mystery about the gift of healing. You know, for all of the gifts, gift of prophecy, gift of word of wisdom, gift of word of knowledge, it's only for healing that it's in the plural. It says gifts of healing. So someone might be used by the Lord mightily in healing the barrenness of women, a woman's womb. It just happens all the time. Boom, boom, boom. Another God uses mightily in cancer. But when it comes to blindness and deafness, there's, there's not much fruit. Right? Okay. And so, and, um, and uh, someone might be used mightily in healing the blind eyes and the deaf. But when it comes to cripples, they just don't yeah. see fruit. And is it because they don't believe? No. Right. Is it because their prayers are ineffective? No. It's because God purposefully designed this so you cannot be the end-all, be-all. Mm-hmm. You, you can't. You're not the sole answer. You don't have the solution. You don't have the grace for that. Uh, go ahead, sister. No, it, it's true. <clears throat> um, it, it, it's true. And, um, you know... Um,
Yeah, it just it just is it it is what it is. It's like for example, uh the gift of prophecy. <clears throat> I know um I know nine well, maybe eight, nine out of ten times if uh I pray for someone, God will show me something. But for others, that won't happen. And and I'm not saying because they don't hear God. I'm not saying because they it's and is it because I tried harder? No, it's because I have a grace. So if someone wants to get a prophetic word, they, they might say, hey, go to Brother Greg. He he prophesies. He hears from the Lord. And you, you'll get a prophetic word. Now, if, you know, if it comes to miracles, like I ain't never turn, you know, water into wine. You get what I'm saying? You might have to go someone else for that. If you need wine, you got to go someone else. It, you know, I can pray a prayer of faith. But I, I, I can't promise any results. <clears throat> and and it's repetitive with me. When someone has an area of grace, it is repetitive. It's replicable. It, not replicable. It's, it's predictable. It's repeatable. And it's exactly. consistent. And it's strong. Um, and so, um, now, going back to what Paul was telling to Timothy, he says... This gift was given you through prophecy. And you link that together with what he said also in another passage. that Paul omits it there in 1 Timothy chapter 4, but he includes it in a different chapter where he says that it was through the laying on of my hands that you received this gift. Um, <clears throat> if, if you want to turn to Acts, let's turn to Acts real quick. Go to Acts chapter 8, verse um, 4. <clears throat> it says, Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down. By the way, Philip is an evangelist. Um, and an evangelist, let me just give a quick description of what an evangelist is because I, I highly respect it because I've done a, a lot of uh, evangelistic work and it seems today everybody are pastors. And uh, there, there isn't much of an emphasis on this work because, it, and I think especially because we just won a soul recently. I, the, the the ministry of soul winning is such a beautiful thing. It's a hard thing, but it's a beautiful thing because it longs to draw people out of darkness. Mm -hmm. It longs to give life wherever there's death, and uh, it, it can be hard. Um, but it, it, the word evangelist comes from the Greek word euangelios. And euangelios is the Greek word. It means good news. So he's a herald. He's, he's like a, a, a broadcaster. He, he, broad, he broadcast. What is that word? You, well, broad means it's you know wide. Cast is a term that's used in farming. You cast seed and you just broadly cast it. You cast it. You cast it. And <clears throat> it's a primer for apostles and prophets. That's what evangelists do. They they go, they cast seed, they do they prime an area, and then apostles and prophets come in. Um it says went down to a city in Samaria, proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was a great joy in that city. 
I just think it's interesting. It doesn't mention deaf or blind. It only mentions paralyzed, lame, and de- demonized. So <clears throat> could it could it be that he had a grace for healing the paralytics and the lame, and maybe not for blind or in hearing? And it, it might very well have been the case. I don't know. It, it it may potentially be reading into the text, but I do know <clears throat> it mentions these specific things for a reason. Um. Now it says though um, I want to I want to skip because he comes in contact with the sorcerer uh, Simon the sorcerer who who you know ends up believing the message but um, you you find later um, where is it at uh, go down to verse fourteen <clears throat> it says when the apost now the the apostles heard about this. Okay. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So, this this goes out to all the denominations that say baptism of the Holy Spirit is a false doctrine. That when you get saved, you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's not true. Because these people in Samaria were already saved at the preaching of Philip. Right, right. He cast out their demons, he healed them, and they believed. And the Bible made it very clear. Why, why else would there be in verse 8, so there was great joy in that city. There was great joy because Jesus says when the seed goes on certain soils, it springs up with joy. Amen. Right? Because there's joy that they have come to, to know the Lord. They're saved. And um, <clears throat> so now here's where you have the apostles going to lay hands on them to impart the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So now you're now you link that back together with with what Paul said in relation to him laying his hands on Timothy to receive the gift. So you mm. cannot receive that gift unless hands are laid on you, or or you're prayed for. I you know I, it can be you know uh, you know either just a simple prayer of faith or hands laid on you, but in either case, that's why. Um, <clears throat> You know, for example, you know, let me just give you a practical example. Uh, Certain people here in the group that had never prayed in tongues and until we prayed. Now, it may have happened a week later, but it began with the prayer of an apostle or prophet or so on and so forth, a minister to impart the Holy Ghost, to impart the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And... um. And it's because it's it's a it's a hierarchy of authority, and and right. Christ had given that authority to impart the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's why even in my case, um, I before I, when I gave my life to the Lord, um, I prayed and prayed and prayed by myself to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It just didn't happen. It wasn't until hands were laid on me and I got prayed for. That I received it. Thing with demon possession. Uh-huh. Jesus gave authority to the apostles to cast out demons. Whenever in the scriptures do you see someone casting out a demon in themselves? Right. 
If you're in the pit, you can't lift yourself out of the pit. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't say, oh, you know, take your right hand, take your left hand, and you say, I'm gonna pull myself out. You can't do that. Um Yeah, that's it's just unbiblical. It's it's just not there in the text. Um you can't prophesy to yourself. How are you how are you gonna mm-hmm. prophesy to yourself? Or how are you gonna give a word of knowledge to yourself? You already know. You get what I'm saying? And so these things are locked up behind men. They're, and and this this is why this is um and I get that this gets people, you know, it gets people upset. I understand why because men are flawed and so people just want to go to God directly mm-hmm. and and avoid men. Say I'm going to just go to God. But here's the thing. God has yeah, yeah, God has gifts and answers locked up behind men. It just it, it is what it is because ministers are the carriers of that grace. That's why who were the first to receive the Holy Spirit? Jesus breathed on the apostles, receive ye the Holy Spirit after his resurrection in John 21. Okay? So they received directly from Christ so that they may now lay hands on others and pray for others that they may receive it. Okay, so <clears throat> because I want to I want to do this challenge. Let's look all throughout the book of Acts or in the Gospels. Wherever do you, where do you see anyone ever speaking in tongues praying by themselves? You don't see it. Think of one example. I challenge you just all, all three, of, if, if you want to follow through with that challenge. Think of one single example, anybody ever in the scriptures that prayed by themselves and they received the Holy, they received the Holy Spirit in spoken tongues. It, it doesn't it doesn't happen I think of tongues I think of X <laughs> yeah and and mm-hmm. and uh because that grace it was given to to ministers to pray for others and so if you want an access of grace you have to go mm-hmm. to them and and the, the Lord had it, we see this very clearly because no single individual has the full measure of grace. Right, right. No single individual has the full measure of grace. Um, Christ had that full measure, but he distributed mm-hmm. that grace to the apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, as he willed for the sake of the body. Right. And, and um, you know, this is why, you know, let me give you another mystery. This is why, for example, if a certain believer is dealing with depression... How many believers have gone and were depressed and they prayed and nothing happened? They're still dealing with the spirit of heaviness. They went and prayed. They prayed again. They prayed again. They're still dealing with it because they need to go to a minister to break it off. Because there's there's an authority that they have to, to cut those things off. And the reason why I'm taking time to devote this, I, I began with talking about traditions of men. And there have been traditions in the church that have been uh, have been have sprung up that have ill affected the church, and it has caused this free for all, this very equalized you know mentality among the church that you know 
I can do everything. I can cast out demons. I can do all these things. I can still heal. I can heal and I can perform these miracles where it, it's not true. Paul says very clearly, do all do these things? No. There, uh, <clears throat> now, it doesn't mean that there isn't a role for those who aren't ministers in the body of Christ. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But the point that I'm trying to make is that um, most importantly, that grace is found behind ministers that if you want a portion of grace mm -hmm. there has to be a laying on of hands or there has to be a, a, a being prayed for um even in paul's case when he was blind okay when he was blind um and this let me see this is actually even an old testament practice go to go to job i want you to go to job real quick mm. And Job, by the way, is actually the first book of, of the Bible. It was even before uh, Genesis. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And if you read the book of Genesis carefully, I don't recall what chapter, but you actually see the lineage of, of Job there. Uh, you, you see Job's name mentioned before Moses. So if Moses wrote the law, then who wrote Job? It had to have been written before Moses. Um. Uh, what chapter? Um, no, hold on. Uh, okay, uh, chapter forty, chapter forty-two, verse seven. <coughs> it says, "Okay, after the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz." The Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. So why didn't they just pray for themselves? They had they had to have Job pray for them. If you look in uh, Abraham's case, when Abimelech was about to sleep with uh, Abraham's wife, Abraham had to pray for him for their whole household to be healed from their barrenness. Right. Uh, and if you look in Paul Paul's case, when he got knocked off his horse, he was blinded by the Lord. The Lord sent a man to heal him of his blindness. Yeah. The scales fell off his eyes, but he was blind for three days, and it wasn't until he was prayed for that those scales fell from his eyes. But he, he had already stopped trying to persecute the church by that point. Mm -hmm. and, um, <clears throat> and so even in Timothy's case, right, how did he receive that gift? He received it through the laying on of Paul's hands as they prayed for him. So it's an Old Testament practice. It's a New Testament practice. And who was Job? Job was a prophet. Who was Abraham? He was a prophet. Okay, so you see these uh, ministers of the Lord having a portion of grace to bless other people that the people cannot just do for themselves. Amen. Um, and so I, I, I want to... 
if you just read carefully, look at look at all the Gospels, look at all the Book of Acts, and look at the 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 letters. Find just I'll challenge you if you if you don't believe me, just go look for yourself. Find one example where anybody prayed for themselves, they got healed, or the demons came out, or they received the Holy Ghost. Just find one. You don't see it. In fact, find anywhere in the scriptures that someone who wasn't an evangelist, wasn't an apostle, or wasn't a prophet that cast out demons. You don't see it. All through the Gospels, all through the book of Acts, you only see them doing that. Um, and so this is why people need to respect a, a ministers. They're not just a, a, a Christian. They're someone whom God has given authority for those specific things. I've had times, you know, even myself as a minister who, you know, there, there are things that <clears throat> like there are seasons where I dealt with such a heaviness and I knew it was a, a you know, a demonic attack. There was some form of oppression that wouldn't lift, and I needed another minister to pray for me to break it. And this is this is why. This doesn't mean that anyone is less of a Christian, because even though you're not a minister and you're just a believer, you can be more pleasing to God than a minister. If you're obedient to what the Lord has called you, so there, it doesn't mean that they're of less value doesn't mean that they're of less value okay but there is least and great in the kingdom and the the great in the kingdom jesus says whosoever practices and teaches these things are will be called great in the kingdom so the ministers of the gospel will be called great in the kingdom but here's the thing i know that might sound look appealing to a lot of people but remember many cases they're the least on earth (laughs) paul says for I believe that the Lord has set us apostles as last, the scum of the world. Right? Mm-hmm. So many times, you know, people who have high these high callings are are the refuse of the world. They're they're counted as last among the world. They're counted great in the kingdom, but they're counted last in the world. And so for many believers, some of you would be very great in the world. <laughs> you know, like, you know, will amass wealth and you know, have really great lives, you know, because you see a very common thing. It was ministers who died. And a lot of Christians, they didn't. They scattered from the persecution when the ministers went headlong into it. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> now my point, though, is that um, is that there there is um, there is uh, great and there's least in the kingdom. Now, that doesn't mean that you're of less value. You have value. It just means that lower in authority and whatever God has called you to. But even though you're not, you may not be a minister. You can very well be more pleasing in the sight of God than a minister is, because you know you love God. You're obedient to Him. You know, and unfortunately, some people like Judas. Look at what happened to him. He was an apostle of the Lamb, and he he forfeited his office. That's a sad thing. Very sad. Um, but you know, the point that I wanted to make is that, um, you know, for example, there's certain times where I'm sure you, you've asked someone to pray for you and nothing happened. Right. And then, but with someone that you knew was a a real carrier of the grace, like, you know, had a specific anointing on their lives, they prayed for you 
and man, this fire comes upon you or the presence of God comes in a powerful way. What makes the difference? Well, one is intimacy, but two is authority. This is why even a Christian who loves God, if they try to give a message, the presence of God won't back it because they're not, they're not an ambassador. Um, an ambassador is a legal representative who speaks on the behalf of. So like everyone is an American citizen here in America, but not everyone's an American ambassador. I can't just go to Thailand and say, I'm an ambassador, I'm speaking on behalf of America. Who gave me that authority? No one gave me that authority, I can't do that. Paul says, for we, speaking of the apostles, he says, we are ambassadors, you are God's field. So he's separating, he says, you are the field, we are the ambassadors. And let us, I want to turn to, real quickly, James 5, the, the show us, um, something here. <clears throat> it says, James 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So, who do they say the call for? The elders. The, the elders. And the elders are ministers. Why, why didn't they say... You know, A, if you're sick, go, you know, call, because the elders have the authority in the church, and, you know, um, and also another thing, oil is considered a sacrament. It's, um, if you look in the Old Testament, those who used oil were prophets. Whenever they anointed kings, or they anointed other prophets, they poured oil on their head, and, the, and I know that this is controversial, but the, the ones who have the authority to do that in the church are elders and ministers. You, you, the people in the church should not be laying hands on people's head on one another and getting oil. That's not for them to do. It's only for the ministers mm -hmm. to do. And, and it's, here's, here's a healthy reason why. Because what if, there, what if there is a witch in the midst? And you don't yeah. know you don't know the integrity of that that so-called brother and sister. They just come up and lay. I remember recently some dude when I went to a church service. He wasn't the pastor. He tried to lay hands. I said, "Yo, stop." <laughs> and I, was, I know that seemed I know that seemed seemed bold. I was like, "No," and I just walked away. You're not gonna lay hands on me if I don't know you, especially if you're not you're you're not the you're not the pastor of that church. Um, mm -hmm. Now. Um, um, because again, there's a transference that occurs. There's yeah. a transference, and I don't know what you carry. I don't know what some random stranger carries. So, you know, there's times where someone asks if they could pray for him. Like, I'm good. I don't. Sorry. I, I'm sorry. I don't need your prayers now. With you all, I don't. I don't mind coming to agreement with you because I know you guys. I know your spirits. We have kindred spirits, you know, and um, we're family. Um, but <clears throat> the point though here is that the, the elders are to be called for and to, to, uh, lay hands and, um, 